This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Now it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at 5.15pm, where we host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. I'm Rachel Kelly, and with me are sports journalists Nicole Chia and David Lee. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Rachel. Good to be here, Rachel. Good to have you guys with us again. Now we start the show with the more somber topic of athlete abuse, which has been trending again recently after former national figure skater Yushu Run's allegation of abuse while training in China. Last week, the 19-year-old, who was a SEA Games champion in 2017, opened up about the physical and emotional abuse she allegedly suffered while training with her previous coach in China. Nicole, you spoke to her last week. Why did she decide to come out about this now? So she was reading um, Laurie Hernandez's story, the American Olympic champion gymnast, you know, about how she had also suffered verbal and emotional abuse. So she read about that first and, you know, initially her thought process was, hey, there's something wrong here, but it's not that bad because of all the stuff that she had already, you know, internalized and seen as normal that she had experienced. And then she also heard about the British gymnast public accounts of their own experiences. And then she watched Athlete A, which is about the former USA gymnastics team doctor Larry Nasser, about how he, you know, abused the hundreds of girls under his his care. So that's when she really felt compelled to come forward and share her own story and finally break her silence about this. Because you know she got through the worst parts of what she had been through in China by you know in a way numbing herself to it and and just telling herself that this is what I need to do to get better. This is just the hardship that is part of training. You know she she is still in the process of unpacking what she had gone through. Is she also trying to encourage other athletes who've gone through something similar to come forward? Yeah, that's right. But beyond, you know, also encouraging other athletes who are in in similar situations to to speak out, she really hopes to also raise more awareness, you know, in the general public of this. And, you know, she's urging national governing bodies around the world to reevaluate their policies and ask themselves, are they doing enough to prevent and treat abuse cases? And one very important thing she feels needs to be done is education for coaches around the world about how abuse isn't a valid method and, you know, you have to protect the child or the the athlete you know these are human beings that they're not robots who who are just there just to produce results and to be discarded once they've delivered what they were supposed to what's the reaction been like to her story well she's received a lot of messages of support but also at the same time other athletes both skaters and non-skaters have been messaging her to to tell her they relate to what she's shared and Obviously, this is a very, this can be a very conflicting situation for her because, you know, on one hand, she's grateful that her voice is reaching just further than her own personal circle because it reaches, you know, more people. It can generate more conversations and and more people are talking about this. But, you know, on, on the other hand, you're hearing that someone else is also feeling like they can relate to the abuse that you've experienced. So, you know, she feels disappointed because she doesn't want anyone to ever be able to relate to that like how do you find joy in that right but it definitely highlights how much bigger this this problem is actually david you also wrote about former singapore women's artistic gymnast head coach garrett beltman admitting to abusing gymnasts earlier on in his career can you share with us more about that story yeah, so this was about Beltman giving an interview to Dutch media about what he did in the past as he mistreated young gymnasts in his quest to get them to win medals. So he told us he spoke out because he wants to be accountable and renounce the person and coach he once was, and he hopes to contribute to the process of change and persuade federations in the Netherlands and Belgium to look at their situations 
as such improper training methods are still ongoing. Now, if he is genuine, then I think it's admirable that, you know, he, he has come out to admit what he did wrong in the past. And it's also important to note that Singapore Gymnastics have come out to say that they have zero tolerance for such behaviour and clarify that he was hired based on his credentials and that he is a reformed man. Former Singapore Olympian Lim Him Wei, who is also one of the national coaches who had worked with Beltman in his time here, also vouched for his character. Now, Singapore Gymnastics also told us that it is actively working on the process of creating a child-safe environment and has established feedback channels for the reporting of any unsavory incidents. I think such processes are in place here, and there have been no reports uh, from the gymnastics fraternity about such any such abuse incidents happening to How have local sports authorities reacted to all of this? I mean, with in regard to Shuran's, you know, allegations, the Singapore Ice Skating Association, which governs the sport here, as well as Sport Singapore, they've expressed, you know, dismay at allegations. They've applauded her courage in speaking out and, you know, they're working with her to, to support her in whatever she needs and they're hoping to build on this by also raising awareness of the topic and, you know, conducting more outreach efforts. To, to educate more people. And as for CISA, you know, their president, Alison Chan, she's also emphasised that they are in regular contact with athletes who are based overseas. And what Shuran has spoken out about is a timely reminder for them to constantly check in on these athletes' well-being on top of their sporting progress and development. You know, and it, it is true because athletes who are on training stints overseas, they do face increased risk, you know, especially if they are training in an unfamiliar environment. And so she said that the association will continue to review the, the athletes and the overseas coaches and, and training programs. So Sport Singapore, which is the national sports agency here, it's in charge of the Safe Sport Commission, which was launched last year to tackle issues of misconduct against people who participate in sports. So that includes athletes and coaches, you know, and they emphasize again that there are safe sport policies and measures and there are safeguarding officers who have been trained and assigned to, to NSAs to deal with Issues like this, if athletes or coaches, you know, feel the need to voice some concern. What do you think needs to happen, though, to ensure that measures put in place by sports authorities are effective? I think they really have to make sure that athletes are aware of the channels available, what avenues they can turn to if they need help. Because some of these things, the athletes may not even know that they have a safeguarding officer in their own NSA. They may not know the, the processes and, and protocols. So I think, you know, for on this on this aspect, the, the sports authorities need to probably review the internal communications and, and make sure that, you know, the athletes are very aware of what they can do or who they can turn to if they ever need to air such concerns. And I was speaking with SNOC Athletes Commission Chairman Mark Che about this last week as well. And I asked him, are, are you guys going to review your communication frequencies with athletes so that you know they know and he said yeah well there are a lot of different channels that athletes can go through and you know maybe we need to do something to let these athletes know where they can go to or how they can get to that safe channel you know because this is a complex sporting landscape and what the athlete commission does is to educate athletes on the tools that they need to succeed. Mm, well we certainly hope the issues can be addressed for the good of the local sports scene. Now if you like the Straits Times game of two halves you can listen live on Money FM 89.3 from 5.15pm every Monday or you can subscribe to hashtag a game of two halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now back to the second half of our conversation with our Straits Times sports podcasters and let's move on to English football. Now the English Premier 
Premier League drew to a close on Sunday. What were the main talking points, David? Right. So with Liverpool having already won the league a long time ago, the big story was definitely about how Manchester United are back with the big boys, beating Leicester City 2-0 away to finish third and qualify for the Champions League. Uh, Chelsea beat Wolves 2-0 at home to take fourth place. And you have to feel sorry for Leicester, who have been brilliant uh, with limited resources for most of the season. But in the end, the extra quality United and Chelsea have. And for United, you know, the crucial signing of Bruno Fernandes in January sparked their turnaround. At the other end of the table, Watford lost 3-2 to Arsenal to be relegated alongside Norwich. But the heartbreaking story has to belong to Bournemouth, who won 3-1 at Everton, but failed to beat the drop by just a single point because Aston Villa got the point they needed at West Ham with a one-all draw. But the league table doesn't lie, you know. If you haven't got enough points over 38 games in a year, then you have to go down or miss out on the title or miss out on Europe. That's the name of the game. David, you spoke about Manchester United. How far do you think they are from returning to their glory days when they were challenging for the league title every season? Right. As a, as a United fan, I, I hope they're not that far. But I also <laughs> don't want to get ahead of myself because, you know, but there are uncanny similarities between United and Liverpool when Jurgen Klopp first took over in uh, 2016, I believe. At first, you know, there was chaos. The priority was to bring in the firepower then fix the midfield and defence before Liverpool finally won the title this year. So hopefully United are now where their bitter rivals hopefully United are now where their bitter rivals were in twenty seventeen and they are only three years behind Liverpool. You know, United have Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, Mason Greenwood, who have scored more than sixty goals combined. So, actually, they have the most potent strike force among all English clubs. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, like, like I've mentioned, has been inspirational since his arrival. He has scored 10 goals, contributed 8 assists in 20 games since he arrived. But there remains doubt over how Paul Pogba's defensive discipline in a 4-2-3-1 system alongside the ageing Nemanja Matic. You know, uh, I feel they can still reinforce with Leicester, Wilfred and Lidi, or even Ruben Neves from Wolves. They are possible targets to, to replace uh, Matic. In, in midfield. Then there's the whole defensive conundrum, right? The, the social stick or twist. United, I feel, were abject in, in their FA Cup semi-final defeat by Chelsea. You know, they, they were defensively all over the place. But for all of their high-profile blunders, United still boasts the best defensive record outside uh, Liverpool and Man City, who are the top two. I think they, they, they can improve uh, on their defence, you know, maybe by signing a centre-back, Khalidou Koulibaly from Napoli. And maybe they can still stick with uh, David De Gea for, for another season. He has been in this position before at the start of his career, you know, where, where he made blunders and many doubted him, but he rebounded well to become uh, United's number one. I feel the team has done all they Put on the pitch this season. Rocha has proven his managerial uh, credentials with the 14-match unbeaten run in the league to qualify for Champions League. So it's really now up to the United boardroom to make the right decisions to build on what they have salvaged from this season. Well, look forward to seeing what their major moves are after this. And there goes the final whistle on our sports discussion for the week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Glad to have you both on the line again. Nicole and David, thanks for your time. Thank you, Rachel. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.